He's an international DJ and producer who's been DJing for almost 25 years. He's also the 2003 DMC world champion. All around nice and humble person, today's guest on my Best Life podcast is DJ Dopey. Welcome to my Best Life podcast with Flavia Abadia. We are a new inspirational and motivational podcast featuring people with positive mindsets achieving tremendous things with tips, advice, and life lessons to help you live your best life. Today's episode is brought to you by Crossrope, the highest quality jump rope system on the planet. Get in the best shape of your life today by going to crossrope.com slash mybestlife and using the discount code mybestlife at checkout for 10% off your order. Hello and welcome to My Best Life Podcast. I'm Flavia Abadia and today's very special guest is DJ Dopey. He's the 2003 DMC World Champion and just amazing DJ and human being. So welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um... How did you even get into DJing? Oh, man. Um, I think first it was just through listening to the radio is what got me initially interested, aside mm-hmm. from listening to music. I started listening to mix like radio shows. Okay. Um, I think some of the first ones were like Mastermind and like X, like Toronto, like Legends, Big Up Max, Mastermind, Big Up X. Um, and uh, just listening to them and listening to them like l- mixed records, it got me more curious. Um, and fast forward a little bit, we, you know, uh, my brother and I got a hold of some New York mixtapes. Okay. That had a little bit more scratching in it. Uh, I think it was DJ Juice. Okay. I, I forget who I got it from, but I got a hold of a, a few, couple of these. And that even kind of garnered a more interest in, in my young mind. Okay. And uh, what really, I think, kicked off. So at that point, I was already starting to buy records. This was maybe mm-hmm. when I was... 12 or something I started picking up record or two here and there mm-hmm. um, and then I saw Juice and then Juice when that came out I was like okay I gotta do this because mm-hmm. then I think I put the visual finally on how you so you okay you saw him in person you, yeah well okay. Juice sorry Juice the movie I should clarify okay, okay. DJ Juice was one of the first mixtapes I got a hold of okay. from New York and then I saw the movie Juice okay and that's kind of what like spark that like oh damn there's that battle aspect of things and that's why i kind of veered off uh to that direction immediately because that okay. kind of i was like this is insane it was like mm-hmm. one one-on-one mano mano like just on some on some mm-hmm. like <laughs> just really like bar- barbaric shit i guess yeah <laughs> kind of in, okay. in, in a in a in a you know more calm way <laughs> yeah anyways but okay. yeah so that's how it kick started and i've been going since so you started buying records, and I guess you had turntables at home. Do you still have those turntables? I you don't. Were, okay. I started off uh, with, I think I saved up for, it was a Techniques uh, D20 or something like that. Okay. A turntable that was pretty strong, but mm-hmm. it didn't have a pitch control, so I couldn't really oh. mix in the beginning either. So that's why I was like kind of stuck scratching. Oh, um, okay. And I had a mixer with no fader, so I was kind of just like doing the the baby cuts in here and there okay uh eventually i begged my mom for a 1200 and mm-hmm. i think my bro- older brother big up my older brother ron and my mom yeah. uh he bought me a mixer i believe he was a D- trying to dj at the time and then okay. my mom i managed to beg for one 1200 and then i got away with one 1200 and that other techniques mixer or sorry yeah. techniques turntable for a few years until i gathered more money <laughs> nice yeah um so you said your brothers were djing too are my- they yeah, sorry, go ahead. Are they still DJing or no? <laughs> <laughs> my older brother fell off. He was the only yeah. one like trying to DJ with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just, I don't know, maybe high school life got in the way, girls got in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've probably more girls. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and I he fell off and I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Never stopped. Okay, nice. So like when did you start taking it more seriously or have your first gig? Um. So like... Around that time, that was probably grade nine-ish, I'd say. I was just, like, kind of getting into high school when I was, like, starting to pick up, like, gear. Um, And then I think a few years after that, um, so I'll just kind of, like, tell the story of, like, the high school, like, how things kind of came to be. Uh, I met this guy, Chris Toledo. 
uh, DJ Cool Cat is what he's he's named after, well named as now, mm-hmm. and he and I kind of formed a team, and we were like I think in grade ten, uh, we were kind of DJing, doing some parties together. Mm-hmm. First gig I don't even remember to be honest with you. It's probably a basement party of some sort with me and him just rocking mm-hmm. out, but it was fun. I remember it was like busy and just like madness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, a little later in our uh, high school career, we joined teams with our. In- Initially, who were like kind of our high school DJ en- enemies. Okay, your rivals. <laughs> yeah, okay. our rivals. They were kind of mad because we were coming in as, as the new guys and we were getting pretty good fast, I mm-hmm. think. Jeff and Chris and Glenn, they, they were JTAC, Tantrum, and uh, Il Buddha. Not that they were hating like really bad, but I, we know that they were like, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of animosity from, from them because yeah. these young kids are coming and they're kind of getting better and kind of getting love from the mixtapes. Anyways, yeah, so (laughs) fast forward again, and we're just kind of like, we started playing parties together, and we're like, there's no point in like being these two crews that are like, kind of at war with one another, so we decided to join forces, and that's kind of how my first crew was, well, I guess second crew at that point, but the the super crew of high school, Mm -hmm. which was Turntable Monks, Um, and at that point, when we joined forces, I think is when I really started taking it seriously. And uh, I think around 97 is when a few of us decided to battle in the 1997 DMC like championships. And that's kind of where I first wet my feet in the, the battle scene. Yeah. yeah. And how was that experience? It was scary. It was scary because obviously we had been following like the scene. And, and uh, Toronto already had some heavy hitters. Big Up Turnstiles crew, Grouch, D-Scratch, Lil Jazz. Um they were already heavy hitters, it, even in the world, like, wide scene. Like, they, they were mm-hmm. already seen as, like, guys coming up from Toronto and making Canada kind of, like, known. Um, so it was a bit scary, but at the same time, I was like, this is this is cool. Because it was that first experience of, like, mm-hmm. getting in front of people and, and just, like, oh, yeah, I could do this. And, and, and we did okay. Not We didn't place. We didn't expect a place or anything like so that. So each of you participated? I think three of us, maybe even four of us participated. Okay. I think Tantrum, or maybe three of us. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember exactly how many. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago now. It was a, it was a while ago. And yeah. it's that same battle, we met our rival crew, which are guys that are still in the scene now. Mm-hmm. M-Rock, big up M-Rock, and uh, Junior Flow of Keys and Crates, big up Junior Flow. Okay. Um, yeah, so they were in the same battle, and that's when we first kind of started bump, bumping heads from in our long, like, history of like mm-hmm. battling against one another do you still battle today to th- against them or no uh not really i mean i think we're all friends now yeah uh, so we we haven't done a battle any of us haven't done a battle like in, in years so yeah not anymore okay so after 97 um you try the dmc championship and then what did you do next after that we just kept kind of practicing get trying to get better we kind of mm-hmm. knew that we weren't at that point yet where we'd be winning world championships or anything um but kept practicing we kept battling there's tons at that time there's tons of little local battles that we were joining um so we made sure to join battles in and around as far as buffalo to okay. like montreal um just kind of get seasoned and, and get our experience in and uh mm-hmm. i think yeah, the next year, I think I came third in the DMC 98, uh, like, Ken- Toronto's, which was... Okay. Yeah, which was a big thing for me, because I was like... I didn't make it to the national, like, mm-hmm. championships. I think at that point, it was only the first and second place. But it was good to to be like, okay, yeah. I can hang, I can hang, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, I guess, fast forward to 2003, when you're competing again. Like, how did you even prepare for that? <sighs> Um, and how many sets do you need to have? So the way DMC like works is it starts off as a regional. Um, to, so Toronto at mm-hmm. that time. So you'd have to win the Torontos. Um, and then you'd have to go to the Canadians. And then at the Canadians, you'd have to win to be able to go to the World Finals. Okay. Uh, the World Finals would have maybe around 30 DJs-ish. From <clears throat> all different countries. From all different countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'd have to chop that into... 11 or 12 depending if the if the the, the past world champion is a uh, is defending okay. so there's a, an elimination round on the saturday it's a two-day event so saturday is like the elimination round and then sunday is the main event where okay. the whoever 
placed in the elimination round, the final t- 11, okay. will go against like the champion, the, the 12th DJ. Okay, so you have two sets, basically. Pretty pretty much two sets. Yeah. Uh, but if you're counting like the Canadians and the Torontos, I guess... Then four. Yeah, yeah, so like really four sets. You'll mm-hmm. probably take pieces and place them in, in the, all your different sets. But yeah. I think it changes a little bit here and there, like mm-hmm. from from regional to national to world level mm-hmm. yeah but uh prep for that was basically tough it was just kind of at that time i was battling a lot so i had a lot of ammo to mm-hmm. begin with uh it's just a matter of like fine-tuning and and kind of choosing which routines i guess you thought would hold up best with uh the world competition but it's hours and hours of practice yeah <laughs> so it's like that's when i used to you know all the time in a day and spend like eight hours practicing downstairs or something <laughs> Yeah, in my so, parents' basement. <laughs> so at at this point in time, were you were out of high school? It was were... at the end of high school. Just oh, actually, two thousand three, I was already out of high school. Yes. Okay. Um, out of high school in university, um, just trying to juggle both at that time. What did you study? <laughs> I was in English literature. Oh, okay. Uh, did you did you like graduate from the program? Nah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so you what happened? Went into DJing. Exactly. So yeah. what happened was I was taking um, part time classes. Okay. So I was slowly kind of crawling towards like my English degree. Yeah. And then I won the championships in 2003. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I'm out of here. Nice. So, yeah, and I, you I toured. I did. I toured like a lot for a few years after that. So So where did you go? Um. Oh, man. <laughs> All over the world. I mean, you know, places as far as Mongolia to, you know, Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, I've been to like Costa Rica. I haven't been South America, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia, the UK, Europe, it just pretty much like all around the world, except for I think the two continents are like Africa and South America. The the two okay, that's that I haven't what, been that's on. That's what Kirk said also. Yeah, when I so to read him. yeah, I don't know if they're just tough markets to break, but I haven't been able to 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 go there as of yet. There's been a few opportunities, mm-hmm. but uh, they've all kind of like fallen through the cracks. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. And now you're still DJing. Obviously, you're an amazing DJ. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I take lessons from him. <laughs> he teaches me. Um, Bias. Well, it's true. Even if I tell someone else, like, oh yeah, like uh, DJ Dopey is teaching me, they're like, oh, okay, like Wicked. you know, it's like it's like legit. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, what are some of your career highlights or best memories? Ooh, there's a lot. I mean, the 2003 DMC Worlds is definitely, I mean, one of the biggest career highlights, if not the biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like realizing, like, you know, one of your dreams, really. DJ Olympics yeah. And, and, yeah, being kind of like in that moment was was insane. How was that moment? <sighs> it like, was... you just finished the set that, you're, that you practiced and... <sighs> I finished... I remember at the, the point where I was just about to go up and I was kind of like at the sidelines and I'm just like, I just need to pull this off. Like I, I've seen all the other DJs yeah. and I, I was probably the favorite that year. Um, so, and I came first in the eliminations, which kind of, you know, it, it puts a little bit more pressure on, on you because... Okay, they expect more. Yeah, they expect more. They, they know, mm-hmm. the people know who come on Sunday, whoever goes last or second last. I had to go second last because there was someone defending. Um... Whoever that person is placed first in the elimination. So there's a little okay. bit more pressure. But the good part was I was able to use older material. Because sometimes the, the uh, same people will come both days. Okay. And you kind of, I feel like you kind of lose a little bit of crowd reaction. But I had two different sets. Okay. Which was good for me. I feel like I was the only one that did that that year. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't remember oh. exactly. But I was definitely one of the only ones that did that that year. Well, that's better. Cause, totally. Yeah. Totally. Because that way you don't lose any of like the, the impact, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, it was just it was just such a crazy experience. Kind of like realizing that, like being there and kind of, you know, just t- talking myself into things a little bit and, and calm down and like, yeah. yeah. And when I finished, I, I was like, I, I think that was good enough to, to win. Yeah, I pulled it off like decently. I think I had a couple skips, but I was pretty confident at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but, you know, you never know. So still a bit on edge and then i think once they called second place i think i realized i was like yeah like at the end of the night when they called third second place i was like okay i got this in the and bag. then when they said your name yeah it was insane it was insane i was just like 
mind-boggled. Yeah. Did you have your family there? <laughs> I had. I actually, thankfully, I had my cousin, mm-hmm. my my first cousin there from Philippines, who oh, had nice. been just moving there. Where was the? It was in uh, London. At uh, I think it was London, England. Yeah. It was in London, Brixton Academy, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So historic place. Uh, I think all the venues that they have the the final at they're pretty historic, which is cool on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I did have some family there. I had a good friend, DJ Woody, there, who's still pretty uh, active in the scene. Okay. Um, he's like a, a person that I toured with earlier, mm-hmm. and like so he was like a, a brother from another mother. So it was great. Mm-hmm. It was great to have some like really close people in my circle, like there to see me, because mm-hmm. it's not that easy to make it to to London, and and it's expensive, right? And yeah, not everyone can come. So yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it was quite the memory. So that's highlight, one of the main highlights. But the second other highlight that I've been talking about, funny enough, uh, a lot the last couple days, or last couple weeks at least, is is when I did uh, a performance with the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Oh, Yeah, not a lot of people know this because at that time, I feel like it was just on the verge of like, you know, accessible, good video phones. So this was around 2009, 2010. Okay. And I think we're just kind of get into, you know, some phones that were like decently yeah. able to videotape. Because so phones not, didn't have cameras. Not really. General. Not yeah. really. Not really. It's almost like you still had to have separate cameras at that time. Yeah. So there's not much footage out there. Mm-hmm. I, I do have some footage, but it's quite dirty and I didn't have like direct audio in. Oh, so I think it's okay. one of those things that's just lost in my history. Oh. There's some pictures, but anyway. But how did that come about? So, uh... One of the guys from um, Live Nation, at that time, he was working at Live Nation, a friend of mine named Ryan. He just came up with me, uh, chatted with me about an idea about doing something different. And we were just tossing out some ideas. And I think he just, he, he was just going off on like, basically I was just saying no, yes, no, yes, no. Mm-hmm. And I think finally he blurted out, uh, what about playing with the symphony? And I was like, hmm, I've done so, like kind of like, similar things with like jazz trios and and bands before so i was like yeah that 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 could be interesting and i think we ran with the idea and we started like putting it into motion and then next thing you know like he's like okay we're gonna do this in pemberton which was at that time the first festival like out west uh kind of like in the whistler area okay actually i I shouldn't say first but above whistler it was like a big first time festival at this place called pemberton and um yeah, and I started conversing with uh, the like the uh, symphony orchestra. I guess he was the the main. I don't know if I'd call him the conductor. I don't think he's mm-hmm. the conductor because he was actually in the orchestra. So he'd be the connection for the okay. VSO. Okay. And um, we started tossing out ideas, and we decided on a couple songs that they would remix, play on their own, send to me, and then I would have to like produce something on it. Uh, turntable wise mm-hmm. and 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 practice that way kind of like so they made their part and then i made my part and i sent them my part so okay. that they could practice with it and i practiced with their part and then we had one day like a few hours to rehearse the day i landed when oh, i got to okay. yeah 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 so I, this, i'm so curious to like how that sounds like it was cool how? basically we we kind of if you we covered two songs so we did a bittersweet symphony by the verve and um Paint It Black by The Stones. And we kind of, I think I let them choose the songs because I wanted them to feel feel comfortable with what we were doing. Okay. And because they're all strings, um, I wanted them to kind of have that that freedom of like choosing what they thought would work best in our crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I was responsible for like kind of creating the energy behind it. So, um, yeah, it was it was a crazy experience because I did like just a quick 10 minute set prior to that. I think they gave us half an hour. I did like a 15 minute set kind of just warming the crowd up. Okay, so and you did your thing. I did what, my what thing. What music did you play for that? With the... I think that day I played hip hop because I think there was a mix of hip hop and like electronic music okay. on that stage. The stage was quite big. I think it was a Bacardi stage if I remember or it might have just been. I don't remember okay. exactly what stage. But yeah, uh, I was sandwiched in between like uh, I think his name was Matis Yahoo. It was like a, a Jewish MC actor too. Okay. He's a rapper. Uh, a little bit different beat wise, but uh, I th- and I think after me was um, oh I can't remember now. This was supposed to lead into my point 
meaning that I was I kind of fit in anyways. Yeah. Um, so I, I did my thing and then I, I kind of stopped or, or ended it with my last like little performance bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had the VSO behind me with uh, uh, behind curtains. Oh, okay, cool. So like when I started, surprise. yeah, yeah, it was a, definitely an element of surprise. So when I started my, like, our tracks together, okay, um, that curtain came up and it was just, yeah, I kind of had a little intro for us, which I think I played and then it went up and then, yeah, it was just crazy. That's so cool. I can't even picture it. So what they would play something and would you scratch in between or during? During. Or? So basically okay. I had... There's eight of them, so there's four on each each side. Okay. And uh, they would play their strings, and I basically added all the percussion for it. Oh, okay. So I think so what I did play, was like the beats, yeah, with so, the sample pads. Okay. So what I did was I think I produced um, a beat sequenced to their um, their strings, and I it was like a I made it like a live performance juggle. Oh. Okay. Yeah, with some cuts here and there and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could see it. Well, I guess you can show me the... Eventually, I'll, the I, I think I do have it. I might have it on YouTube, and I might just have made it private. Oh, okay. So I could probably send it make to you it, that way. Yeah. yeah. Make it public. We want to see. <laughs> but okay. yeah, that's another highlight. So that was highlight number two. And then, you know, nice. those are the ma- two main career highlights, I think, at this point. That's still kind of... I could always tell in 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 situations like this yeah that's so cool yeah okay so you've traveled around the world i want to know more about these travels or adventures you've had traveling like cool experiences (sighs) wow that's i mean there's gonna be a lot um tell us (laughs) (laughs) well i've been on quite a few tours um Mm -hmm. some of the highlighted tours are like i did uh a tour at that time which was I think super rapping the label uh, based out of Germany. My buddy was running the U.S. side of things. Mm-hmm. So I toured with Lude Pack, which is Mad Lib, Wild Child, and Rome's Amazing group for any hip-hop ad out, out there. Mad Lib, obviously, the genius that he is. Um, and then a couple turntablists, uh, Woody, the guy that I was telling you, mm-hmm. my homie that was there when I won, uh, and Petrix, another amazing DJ from the States that, you know, definitely had uh his hand in carving like beat juggle styles and stuff like that um so i'd have to say actually i can't even forget uh d claim was on that too and jay sands so just a bunch of artists at that time that were really really bubbling and this was definitely one of the highlight tours in my career because it was also my first time around the states okay um and kind of doing states shows is you know it's, it's different it's different different from like doing the canadian shows how is it different? Um, I think at that time, I, we were still carrying a lot of records and stuff. So we were geared more to performing rather than like playing records. But I could tell okay. that like different records that were working in Toronto, in terms of playing music and getting the party going, uh, yeah. records that were working in Toronto were, were different records that were working in these other cities in the States. Okay. So I think that's where I kind of got that first inclination that, you know... Uh, Toronto's not the center of the world. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, and the scenes are very different. And that I think that tour really kind of gave me the, you know, the insight on, on on how different scenes and how similar some scenes can be. It's not mm. all different, but um, we all really, I think, were drawn to hip-hop. I think that's that's what that tour was, was about. And, and yeah. yeah. Uh, so you guys were all on the tour together the all whole time? All on the tour. Wow. One bus... Or one van, one 14-foot van or something like that. Okay. And it was quite the adventure. We went through, you know, rain, snow, sleet, um, almost running out of gas in the middle of Nevada, n- nowhere to get gas. And we literally had to ride out the the the, the hills yeah. to, to be able to make it to the next gas station. Yeah. And I'll always tell people that because it was the scariest shit ever. Because it was getting dark and we're like, what the hell are we going to do? We're running yeah. out of like we're literally out of gas. We and so what we did was like every time we would hit a, a hill, all of us would make our way to the front <laughs> just to be able to like gather more like really? momentum. Yeah. Oh and, my and, god. I mean, at this, I'd like to say that it actually worked because we made it yeah. to that to that that gas station on on fumes. Yeah. But we we did make it, and um, I think we made it to Las Vegas that night, and I think we we partied because we were like, yeah, we were. 
you made it. Yeah, we made yeah. it. We were, we were ecstatic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the fun fun tours that I've been on, and that's that's kind of like the fun memories. And and okay. I remember getting pulled over early, and we had a ton of. I don't even know if this is if you, you want this said, but we had a ton of like weed on us. Yeah, that's okay. I put explicit on the podcast not okay, cool. to like limit people yeah, yeah, yeah. to what they want to say. Yeah. So we had a ton of weed. Mm-hmm. Cop stops us, and luckily, we were able to talk our way out of it. I don't even know how it stank of weed, but they let mm-hmm. us go. Thankfully, because none they're of the guys more, they're more strict in the U.S. They're more strict in the U.S. Especially back then, or uh, I mean, probably more so now. But I oh, think okay, I okay. think. I think they were always strict, yeah. Um, especially with a car full of, you know, immigrants. <laughs> I don't think. Oh, actually, there was a one, one white guy, but he was he was from the the UK, so he was okay. he he too was like an out of the country yeah. out of country guy. So, um, yeah, it was just such a scary moment for the mm-hmm. tour because it would it, it was almost over before it started. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where were you at in the tour? Like, funny enough, I think we were close to like Weed, California. Okay, but. Was it at the beginning of the tour? It was middle, right or? at the beginning of the tour. We were just oh, making shit. our way up okay. to like San Francisco, I think, okay. to do the show there. And, and I think in between San Francisco and L.A., there's a, a little, I don't know, city called Weed. I think we got pulled over in Weed, California. What? How ironic is that? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Yeah. I can, and I can't even make this up. Like, we yeah. totally did. Um, maybe we should look that up. I'm pretty sure there's, there's a, weed. a weed California. Yeah, I don't know. I like interesting like travel stories like that. If you have more of, I don't know, in Asia or totally Europe. There's totally a weed California. Oh really? And let's see if it's if I'm right. If it's in between LA and it's close to it's close to the coast. It was oh there's San Francisco. So San, actually it was San Francisco to Portland. I think we might have been going to like. I think our first show might have been in Portland. Okay. So we're driving up. There's your proof. San Francisco. Yes. So we're driving up. North all the way of up. Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. So we're driving Sacramento up to Portland, Portland and we yeah. got stopped in Weed, California, right before Oregon. Yeah. Okay. So that, <laughs> um, and what about these other stories? More stories? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The, I mean, you know, there's so many to tell. Um, I'll just pick one out there that's like kind of. I don't know, adventurous, I guess. Okay. We So I was doing a, a bunch of uh, shows in China with uh, mm. a, an old school Toronto guy. Um, and actually, a, a couple old Toronto guys. His name was... Uh, Kwame is one. I don't remember what he went by at that time. It might have just been MC Kwame. And um, MC Vandal. I don't even know if he goes by MC Vandal. I think it's just Vandal. Big up Vandal. He, that's my homie. Mm-hmm. Um, but... He's old school Toronto cryptic souls. Uh, Tor- Toronto guys will know that that reference. It's, it's such a you know classic Toronto crew, b boys, graffiti artists, uh, DJs. Um, but he took us to China, um, and we were doing like a bunch of shows out there. And we had to get from China to Mongolia. Okay. Uh, I think we had a limited budget, so we decided to take the train. Mm-hmm. And this train ride was like 24 plus hours. Oh, wow. That's a long time to be like stuck in a train. <laughs> it's a long yeah. time to be stuck in the train. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you basically go through the desert. Okay. Chi- like, I think it's called the Go- Gobi De- Desert, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, we should look that up too. <laughs> <laughs> Geography. Gobi Desert. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm right. There you go. Between China and Mongolia. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that bad after all. I do know what I'm talking about. So yeah, we took this train, and it was the longest train ride of my fucking life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really dusty because as you go through the desert, obviously it's, it's all dust. So we would always have to clean off like layers of dust off our like table, off our like kind of like mattresses. Oh, yeah, it was okay. kind of it was kind of nuts. And in the middle of this train ride. Um, when you're getting into Mongolia, they, Mongolia has different train tracks. So there's a station where, where you get pulled out, not get pulled out, but you, your train gets lifted, and they change the tracks on the train. Oh. Yeah, they change it because you, uh, not the tracks, they change the. The like wheel. Uh, things I, yeah, I don't or, even know what yeah. they're called. The wheels okay. on the train. Yeah. Because the tracks are different in Mongolia. Um, oh. This happens like in the middle of the night, 
and it's also customs and i remember them like just barging in mongolian customs just barging into our room i think i was half asleep and they're just like what are you guys coming in here for it was, it was quite scary i was like we're just coming up to visit friends and yes yeah, yeah. i don't know if you need a visa to, to work in mongolia but okay i just remember it being quite intense or maybe i was just half too half asleep mm-hmm. to to kind of like function properly yeah. and kind of comprehend what was going on and maybe they weren't that that scary after all but yeah. i felt like maybe i was just <laughs> scared well, from you like know waking what? up when you're yeah also when you wake up things are unfamiliar but when you're in a new place you don't know anything totally. going on or the customs or yeah it can be you're out of your comfort zone exactly exactly so, so i was just like waking up to that i was like oh my god what the hell is going on <laughs> um but yeah uh, we ended up making it through uh the mongolian show was interesting it, it's okay. kind of a whole adventure going to mongolia because it is such a different world people were amazing mm-hmm. number one thing i have to say people were amazing to us and um you know they were pretty pretty damn uh holy people and and just like uh just nice people in general like very okay. very uh welcoming and and um you know yeah but the club get, getting back to my point the at the club it was is the weirdest experience i've ever had i think to this day uh it must have been you know prime time maybe one o'clock parties jumping off okay. i think i'm djing and a bunch of cops just come in okay stop the music and i don't know if they were just looking for someone specifically or, or something like that or but they stopped the music they kind of have a look around and then eventually and like you know a couple minutes later the the club promoter's just like yeah let's let's go back at it and it was just like back to like it was just like didn't miss a step like i don't know there's nothing oh i guess people are used to that yeah <laughs> i don't know like i don't the party mar- just stops and then yeah they, they stopped the party and i had to stop the music and mm-hmm. and this lady cop came up to me and i couldn't understand what she was saying mm-hmm. but uh she made me stop the music and and they did their thing whatever they were doing i had mm-hmm. no idea no one's ta- i'm just kind of like oh. i have no idea what's going on and yeah and then eventually a couple minutes later she's like well, yeah let's go let's play the music again and then oh she I think, told you to play it again. not her but okay. the, the promoter i think the promoter was a okay. a, a woman and yeah the mediator I guess. mediator yeah. and we we got back into it and i think yeah we went that the night turned out still pretty good and no That's one sick. skipped a beat and no one missed a step interesting stories of mongolia yeah <laughs> So yeah, do you have any other cool stories? Oh man, like Europe or I don't know, because the average person doesn't get to travel like for sure everywhere doing a tour. So. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. oh man, there's there's so many. I'm just trying to think of like some of the highlights of, of like Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, good stories in Europe. I mean, the DMCs were aside from touring. I I went to the DMCs, which was London, every every year for I don't know maybe a good five six years oh okay just to watch or did uh, you compete because of, again or? to compete like because okay. there was they had different uh different categories so there was a, mm. a team battle this came a little bit later after my initial first dmc mm-hmm. they implemented team battles uh head-to-head solo oh, battles okay so i was in a few of those prior to doing the to winning yeah the, the six minute okay. like the big one mm-hmm and uh, yeah, just going to to London was was quite interesting because uh, it was just kind of like a, a get together of all like the the best turntables at that time. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, going to London every year it was just such a you would always look forward to it because you would learn so much. You would hook up with so many DJs in and around the world, and I just remember it being such a whirlwind of um, of like media and events and, and that kind of kind of thing and. Um, and the experience in itself will always be kind of important well pretty important to me because meeting friends that i still keep up with to this day mm-hmm. and um seeing like how far the dmcs have come even though there was a little bit of a lull i think they're, they're starting to like kind of come back around now um i don't remember where i was going with this story you're going with cool stories in europe and I how know. you go to london every time and yes it was cool it was basically you know every year we would go to London. A few of my friends would come sometimes, and mm-hmm. it was just a party for a week that we were there, partying with other DJs. Mm-hmm. The experience of like basically your hotel room 
there's certain hotel rooms that were were scratch rooms or like practice rooms. Okay. And every night we'd we'd go out or or we'd go check like at that time there was like really huge like London venues like uh, Fabric um, okay. was huge in London. So we would go there to like hang out and then we'd come back and scratch like all night was a bunch of DJs. And it was just the experience on its own that was such a cool thing because you would be in the room with like, you know, um, someone from from like China and then like maybe maybe the, the Irish DJs there too. Or, That's cool. Yeah, and then the US guys and, and there was always a bunch of guys like in a room that, that would be... And it was... The camaraderie was pretty cool. Like I, I don't think like there was a lot of... Uh, you know, head headbutting and stuff like that. So everyone seemed to get along well, and uh, yeah, it always holds like kind of like a special memory in in, in my nice. head to, to be able to go there every year for like, yeah, at that point and and just seeing people on a regular for a year that that you know are into the same thing. Yeah, was was great. Yeah. And I guess not everyone spoke English, right? It, it, so you speak through music. Yeah, you speak through music. It was it was kind of hard. Like I remember, you know a lot of the countries that had the DJs uh, the DJs the representatives like the people that rep DMC would always be pretty good at English but then the DJs would sometimes not know a word of English and it was so difficult but you kind of get by because music yeah. is such a universal thing but then is there I guess if you're at the DMC's there must be a person who speaks that language to help them or yeah be like so, you're next or for whatever. sure <laughs> for sure so a lot of the times the the DMC representative would become that kind of like translator as well, um, mm -hmm. and they would kind of stick around their DJ. They would, you know, show for their DJ around just to make sure that they were fine, which was great. DMC was was great to us, and mm -hmm. and the people that were running it uh, at at the time, like the people that represented the countries, were all great. Mm -hmm. Big up Chris Kendall and Giselle. They were like old school DMC Canada people, and they're yeah. I I don't know where they are now. I hope they're well, but. They've always been super nice to us here, so mm -hmm. yeah. Nice touring is is a blast. There, there, there is a story with every city usually that you go to, mm -hmm. um, whether it be like a drunken story or or fights. I've been to tours like I think you know one of the funniest things I've ever seen in like Yellowknife. I think it was Yellowknife. Um, it was just such a weird thing for me to see where a fight broke out between two guys and in the club that you were DJing at or? I think we were outside at that point okay and the the locals let them at it it wasn't that rough of a fight there was two drunk guys and what I was so kind of like thrown back by is that mm -hmm. apparently this happens almost every night these guys will fight oh every the same night. people yeah <laughs> oh so these two guys just have this rivalry and they'll fight like you know every night and it was such a movie moment to me and i'm like this is like a fucking like comedy or something like That's these weird. guys they're not i mean they're throwing each other around they're not punching too too badly like that's well, you i think you can't properly when you're drunk yeah no you can't but it was just one of those moments for me i'm like man so this does happen at certain in certain places like these two guys fight all the time and it was like a regular thing and they just let them duke it out because they're, they're never really going to hurt each other that much. Yeah. I think they're ready to kind of stop it in case it gets yeah. too, too crazy. But I think generally they just kind of toss each other around and, and yeah, call it a night. Okay. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. Yeah. That's from touring. I don't remember who. I think I was touring with like DL Incognito at that time. Tech 12. Um, yeah, so that was one of those interesting nights. <laughs> I love the excitement that comes with traveling and just discovering new places. Like that's it's true. It's it's such it's a so much fun, and you have like I know the new smells, the new weather, the new everything. It's it's totally. exciting. Totally, it's 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 a cool it's a cool lifestyle. Like uh, it definitely is like one of those things that you get it in when you can. Because I feel like at this point in my life, I, I don't mind not touring anymore, but mm -hmm. it was definitely a fun time in my life. Like, where you'd be waking up in a new city every night. Um, I've done, like, the bus thing or, like, the we've done camper tours where, where in Europe we were camping in, like, campgrounds in and around Europe uh, in between shows, which was great because it was, like, actually calming at the same time because we'd have these, like, okay. crazy shows and then we'd 
instead of checking into a hotel we just like yeah check into uh, a campsite and we we have a trailer we had everything we needed and which yeah it was cool that was with that celebrity status that big up those guys too I've worked with so yeah. many people, so there's like so many tours and like. Yeah. <sighs> and I guess you save money when you're in a in a camper. <laughs> totally, totally, and I think that's partially what it was too. Like, yeah. without the, you know, uh, the hotel costs, we could put that money back into our our bus or our pockets or whatever. And you fish too, like you like to go fishing. I do so like to fish. Fishing you, is like. Did you fish at that time? At that time, I was fishing, but okay. not not like tours. I guess it's a, a bit tough. Nowadays, if I if I do when I do travel, I will try to look for like fishing opportunities, like if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that I think as I grow older, I'm just like, yeah, this is this is cool shit. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, if fly fishing specifically, like I don't. Okay. Not 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 to knock any of the other styles or any other types okay. of fishing, but that's the one that really hits hits kind of like a, a chord with me. Why? Like I don't know anything about fishing. So. Um, for fly fishing. I think it's it's a few things it's it's for one it's very it can be very scientific okay. it's not that like you know cut and dry easily kind of like you, you use a worm type thing and, and you're mm-hmm. catching fish it's really trying to figure out a lot of things and, and I think that appeals to me and uh, and and the, the, the smaller like uh, the summer style fly, fly fishing that I like is very like uh, entomology based so you kind of have to like learn about bugs and like learn about what time of the season it is and what comes okay. out at that time yeah so there's that and then That's later cool. on in the year when i like to fish for like the bigger fish that adronomous fish that come into like the rivers from the sea or the lake in our case um for that it's like big flies and you're you're swinging flies across the river and for that i think it's Aside from like the rhythmic aspect of things, mm-hmm. I think it's tying my own flies, and it's it's kind of being out in the river and kind of just like exploring and stuff like that. Really, I'm I'm a big explorer. I always was mm-hmm. when I was a kid, so I just like to get out and like you know, fuck off by myself for like an hour yeah. or not by myself. It doesn't have to be, but uh, yeah. I do fish on, on my own. So yeah, was it hard to do that at first? Because you're surrounded by music and like loud stuff and like cutting and then you're in the nature and there's like no music well i guess there's there's music from the trees yeah. the birds the water i think the but. opposite is what probably drew me to it is, is you know the night and day things of it i am a gemini so like i okay. think that's why it kind of makes sense it's like two different people that, that okay. kind of but in my mind it makes sense completely mm-hmm. <laughs> but i guess it's balanced yeah, yeah. so it's like I, I think that's what kind of drew me. Like uh, for a while, I, I wouldn't listen to music. Nowadays, I, I'll st- I'll I will listen to some music, but mm-hmm. not all the time. Um, I do like the sound of the river and like kind of just like being in nature and, and not really hearing anything but like yourself and, mm-hmm. and what's around you. Um, but yeah, so I think that was part of the appeal in the beginning. But now it's like it's a little bit different. Like uh, I think I I like thinking and 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 listening to music even when i'm out there okay if anything one ear and then one ear as djs i, I feel like we can really yeah. separate or, or as producers too you could really separate sounds and so i don't mind having like one ear music and one ear like to the nature mm-hmm. yeah cool but yeah that's that's definitely one of my loves that i will try to incorporate into future work so that's you know one thing that i'll look at hopefully kind of putting together with music Okay. Somehow. <laughs> you can make... Um, actually, the producer I work with, he made a beat out of all nature sounds. Interesting, yeah. So, like, I forget if it was, like, a woodpecker for, like, one of the percussions huh. or, like, Crazy. water or, like, banging sticks together. Yeah, totally. You could do something like that. For sure, yeah. for sure. Ex- experimental shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And put scratches in there. Totally. <laughs> Cool. It'll definitely be one for a track at least. Like I'm like for... excited to hear this. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't because I actually yeah. haven't brought like a recording device out mm-hmm. on the river yet. But at, it totally will happen. Cool. For sure. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. What are some lessons you've learned along your journey? Because you've been doing this a while. Man, a lot. What haven't I, I guess? I mean, you know, I think I think the main thing that I, I I'm... I will take away from the industry and the music that that I've done through the years is just um, 
it's I feel like it's just kind of stay true to to what you feel is true to you mm-hmm. you get led in so many directions especially when you get to like a certain um you know place in your career if you're successful even if you're not successful you <laughs> hopefully you're successful <laughs> okay yeah. let's start it again so in your journey in general yeah in life you will get directed to a lot of these like you know side streets and i feel like it's good to kind of veer off but at the end of the day you know kind of try to as an artist as as someone that has a voice that someone has that that power to mm-hmm. to kind of influence stick to your heart stick to what what really drives you and stick mm-hmm. to your lane i guess so to speak and um yeah find that like realize that quick and run with it and stay in that lane and because i think that's that's the way to go and no matter what your definition of success is mm-hmm. i feel like you can get there by you know not getting too straight away from like what your your heart is like telling you to do yeah so i think if i could take one thing away i think that's that's it because you know after years and years of like this industry mm-hmm. there's so many things that you could do so many things that that you could kind of get straight kind of get distracted on but i feel like it always comes back to you know what your heart is calling for you to do whatever that is mm-hmm. so yeah listen <laughs> yeah yeah that's a really good lesson yeah and what is your heart calling you to do <laughs> <laughs> i think at this point um you know uh, definitely less club work and i think I, I i'm definitely more destined for more studio stuff if not if if it's not like club stuff it will mm-hmm. be more performing my own stuff i think is what it is okay. i think i've longed for this it long enough <laughs> and okay. I've, I've been kind of like drawn to it long yeah. enough that, that it's time to kind of like make that transition so your own stuff <clears throat> you mean your own production own production yeah mm-hmm. and trying to you know like put a live show towards that production whatever it may be or, or you know okay yeah cool so that that's kind of like where i want to lead things and, and mm-hmm. stray stray the the dopey name towards okay so when did you start producing um i always dabbled and i i kind of i got my stuff together like ages ago after i won the championships and i always did dabble but Mm -hmm. taking it seriously i don't know the last few years i guess three years or something like that it's like when i'm like okay this is the next step so yeah and where can people find your stuff uh, they could find if you search DJ Dopey one word on SoundCloud, you could find it on SoundCloud. You could also find it on uh, Bandcamp. Um, mm-hmm. There's not much on Bandcamp yet, but SoundCloud I, I've been trying to keep up. Uh, so there's there's some tracks on SoundCloud, and I think not all of them cross over to Bandcamp. So I guess check out SoundCloud for now. Yeah. <laughs> and you also have um, some DJing videos on YouTube. I do. So the YouTube channel I think is just uh, DJ Dopey. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's uh, you know. A good way of just kind of like keeping myself uh, kind of seen and, and still relevant in terms of of what's going on now, because it's it's all about IG and these little videos. So yeah, yeah you got to stay up on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and is there anyone you'd like to work with in terms of production stuff? Production wise, um, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of dudes, um, but in terms of like realistic 2018 stuff. Uh, definitely headspin, definitely pump, which we're kind of doing now. We, we, we've been working on some stuff. Um, I guess if it, if I was thinking really, really big, think big, yeah, yeah, yeah. think big. You know, guys like Katrinata, who who's always kind of catch my ear all the time. Um, people that are in the selection camp. Um, I guess that they've kind of been. I've been vibing with their stuff recently man there's too many to name put it out there like what if someone knows them and they're listening to this podcast and they're, <laughs> totally. like, they're like yo dj dopey wants to work with you and they're like oh sick like let's do it totally there's so many kate definitely for sure kate not i'm yeah. just like man I-, I love this guy's work and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. would love to do some just fool around shit whatever it may be yeah and when did you start teaching because you you teach um like djing i yeah. do teach like private uh, classes and stuff. i I started initially just by doing like um, kind of like workshops okay. at, at conventions and stuff. Um, and that kind of led me to want to teach a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, when did you start teaching at conventions? It was spotty. Like it's it's been going on for like the last maybe I don't know ten years. I do. Okay. Even when I was on tour, sometimes I would get asked by a, a school, early DJ schools at that time, mm-hmm. to do little workshops and stuff. And and from that, I think I took just little experiences and, and was able to build like a little bit more, which I had the opportunity to do at a Region Park School of Music. Uh, to no, maybe three, four years ago now. And that made things a little bit more real because that I had to like hold down a class and make like uh, an actual mm-hmm. um, like uh, program pr- curriculum yeah. and f- not stick by it, but like have an idea of like where I'm directing these kids. Uh, the program's for kids. And that's why I started doing like the, the private lessons as well because mm-hmm. I couldn't bring in like some of the people that were inquiring. Yeah, you can't bring like adults to a kids class. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. yeah, so ongoing four years or so. It's been it's been good. Yeah, and nice. yeah, students have been, including yourself, have been mm-hmm. like, I could see steadily um, getting better, which is great. Which mm-hmm. means I'm doing a good job, and you guys are doing a good job. So yeah. <laughs> And yeah, where do you want to go from here? Like, what is there anything you want to share? I just, you know, I think I'm in this transitional period. And while I'm in a transitional period, I would like people to kind of be patient. <laughs> it, there's, there's that transitional period is, is it's kind of like growing your hair like I'm doing now. There's always a weird time. This is probably the weird time. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, there's going to be that weird time that, 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 kind of leads you to the better hair okay so to speak that's cool um, well you've always gone for it and you're going for it now again yeah so, so it's just a, awesome. a matter of time yeah like it might not be this year hopefully i'll be able to put out like a record or two nice um yeah and we'll start there and we'll see where it goes so stay patient with me please and mm-hmm. yeah things will come and, and you know i'm still in the city i'm still djing a lot so yeah. i'm still rocking i still enjoy it. djing will never be not enjoyed for me so mm-hmm. I'll always get take gigs that, that I feel like will be fun for me to do. And yeah, so you could still catch me in that way. But I just don't want to be, you know, DJing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday anymore. I'm getting too old for that. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you it for was, having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was nice having you. So if you have any questions, please email us at info at my best life podcast. And where can they find you again? Um, at DJ Dopey at most things. Like I think IG is at DJ Dopey. Twitter's at DJ Dopey. Mm-hmm. Look for DJ Dopey on SoundCloud. Just one word. And same with Bandcamp. My Facebook fan page. And look out for his future projects and yes. maybe a show near you. Definitely. And message him if you want him to come out to your city. Please. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Till next time. <laughs> Bless you. I know. Hopefully you're able to... I could re-say all this. Uh, maybe I do need a, a Kleenex. You have one? Yeah? Okay. It's a good one for the B-roll. Don't be blowing his nose. <laughs>